Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Fanboy Comics Podcast. Of course, usually this episode would be the Throwback Thursday episode, but to be honest, with this entire thing with being quarantined and, you know, staying indoors, I'm not quite sure where I want to put this episode. I may actually do a lot of these Throwback Thursday episodes and just put them all throughout the entire week. The reason why I'm thinking that is because there's not going to be a whole lot of new books, and this is not really a DC-centered podcast. I have usually just made it the regular Marvel podcast throughout the week for the new books. I don't want to do anything else other than that. And as of right now, DC is going to be publishing their newer books uh, selectively through digital so Marvel has not yet made word if they're going to do the same thing, and other publishers have already said that they're not going to. So, I don't know what I'm going to do. Now, I just asked a couple friends if they would uh, suggest some commentary, some, well, I kind of buried the lead there. I What I wanted to do is, uh, Tony, of course, a very awesome listener, suggested uh, me and Mark at the other podcast, uh, the Comic Book Legion podcast, that we should do a commentary track of some uh, The Office episodes. Now, I'll keep that for over there. Here, I kind of wanted to just like pick a movie or two or maybe some TV shows and spread them throughout the week and do some live commentary tracks of those shows, those movies. I have a list of like four or five right now. And I think I've actually talked my wife into actually doing one. But, of course, she would choose the movie. Now, uh, I like I said, I kind of want to, just because I'm bored out of my mind and I'm doing a lot more reading, I may actually go ahead and read ahead for these Throwback Thursday episode, episodes. Yeah, Throwback Thursday. I don't know why I hesitated there. But the Throwback Thursday episodes and put them throughout the week along with those commentary tracks and, you know, just provide some content for you guys. I know that I've been lacking for the last two weeks. I am completely sorry. I have been very depressed and felt kind of isolated in my stress with this whole COVID-19. Now, I, I know this is not the way to, like, really cope with that, with, you know, sharing fear and, and getting people scared. It's not necessarily what I'm doing. Uh, I will just vent real quick and say that I was kind of scared at this whole thing because of how rapidly it was taking over basically the world but you know with my job they apparently are essential uh, I did not know that and I fought it for a while and they didn't like that whatsoever they thought I was trying to get everybody fired by requesting that we stay indoors and they're not really taking precautions to prevent the spreading of germs and things like that. So that is why I have personally uh, used up all of my sick days to stay indoors for a week and a half. Now, it's not going to really help all that much if I go back to work and somebody has it because then I'll have to stay quarantined again. But, you know, it is what it is. But let's go ahead and move on to the books. Of course, like I said, this is what would have been a Throwback Thursday episode. So we have six books to talk about, the normal six that we are always talking about, that being Avenging Spider-Man, Daredevil, uh, oh my gosh, what was the X-Men? The uh, X-Men book was uh, Deadly Genesis, 
Then, of course, Green Arrow and Nightwing, as well as the New 52 Justice League. And I will say, you know, last, no, not last night, the night before last, I actually stayed up until 5 o'clock in the morning making a small, like, almost audio drama of the first five pages of the New 52 Nightwing. And just for fun, I might actually add it here, uh, right before I actually start talking about the books. Um, if you guys are interested in that kind of thing, I can start working a little bit harder to do that. Now, those won't drop, like, a lot, because, like I said, it spent me three hours to do five pages, and the only reason why I did it is because it was one person doing a monologue. Now, of course, I am just one man. I do not do voice acting very well. So having a book with multiple people would be very, very hard for me to do. But if there is a book out there that is just one person with dialogue and inner dialogue and not really messing with a whole bunch of different people, then maybe I can start doing that. Um, it is a passion of mine. It is something that I want to eventually get to as far as my experience with podcasting and you know doing all of this, reviewing comics, whatever. It is a passion project of mine to create these audio dramas. And I have my reasons. I'll keep those to myself because I do want to make it, you know, a little bit more on the business side. But uh, they're fun and it's really, really cool. So, uh, yeah, let me go ahead and put that up here right before uh, we start talking about the books. But let's go ahead. We always start with Marvel first. So let's go ahead and do that right now. Hey, guys. And also, I wanted to share with you guys how much I really love that you guys are listening to my podcast and taking the time to listen, to share, to subscribe. But that's what exactly what I'm going to be asking for you to do now. Please uh, subscribe to this podcast and please share. You know, I am wanting to do this. You know, it is a hobby of mine, but it's something that I absolutely love to do. It gets me away from the world for however long I get to record for. And I get to kind of just drift away in these worlds, you know, of Spider-Man, of Daredevil, of Justice League, and it's really fun for me. Uh, so I love doing it. I love putting out content for you guys, but I want more people to know this passion and to know these worlds. You know, it's something to get away from, especially during this hard time uh, for the world, not necessarily just for uh, the comic book community or anything else, but yeah, please go ahead and uh, share and subscribe to the podcast. And if you can on Apple, uh, please do some reviews. I don't know anywhere else that does reviews, but on Apple or iTunes, whatever, uh, please review uh, and see if we can get, you know, the algorithm up there for, you know, getting a podcast. So uh, or being notified or noticed as a podcast for comic book reviews. Uh, but thank you so much, guys. Let's go ahead and move on to the books. I know I've said that like so many times. I've spent a lot of time in a lot of different places. Kind of a given growing up in the traveling circus. That's only a part of the reason why I'm living in Gotham City. For the last year has been kind of strange. The other part is that for almost a year now, I've been filling in as Batman while Bruce Wayne was way which makes things so much more exciting to know that for the first time in a long time i'm finally me again dick grayson nightwing 
Say what you will about Bruce Wayne. If you spend a year wearing either one of his suits, you're gonna come out stronger. That is assuming it doesn't drive you mad. I was good at the job, but the city started changing around me. Six months ago, a murder in this part of town was unheard of. This is the third psycho I've fought this week, but I can handle it. Even back when I was Robin, my mechanics were always great. I mean, I grew up an acrobat. But now? Now, they're flawless. Inside the car a second before we hit the tunnel. Perfect. Being Batman taught me a lot about myself. This city has thrown its worst at me. It's taken its best shot. Twisted creations and all. But I'm still here. I'm still standing. Now Gotham has nothing that can scare me. Or at least, that's what I keep telling myself. Haley Circus, back in town for the first time since Tony Zuko cut the wires on my parents' trapeze. Since he killed them. Starting me on the path of who I am now. I passed their tent the last three nights on my way home from patrol. I know I should go. To see everyone. Just when I've set up my new life, my old one comes back. Well played, Gotham. And we're back with Avenging Spider-Man number four. Now this one has a very special place in my heart. Uh, just because it has Hawkeye and right now in just the main continuity of books and you know the, the new books that are ongoing right now. I am currently reviewing at uh, weirdscience.com or weirdsciencemarvel.com. Uh, I'm reviewing the Hawkeye Freefall. And I've had small conversations with uh, Matthew Rosenberg, who is the writer of it. And I just really appreciate Hawkeye as a character. Now, this book shows the Hawkeye that I love. Now, recent years, in recent years, Hawkeye has been pretty much played as the joke, uh, comedic relief, and things like that. And here you get a little bit of that, for sure, uh, just because it is a Spider-Man book as well. But... The real reason why I love Hawkeye is because he's an underdog. And I'll get into that just a little bit more here uh, here when we get to it. But this book has heart. Not just for Spider-Man, but for just the overall lesson of who Spider-Man is and who Hawkeye is. But here we open up with an archery school in Central Park. And... These little kids are starting to like ring back the uh, the bow and about to shoot. And before uh, anybody even releases it, uh, three arrows immediately hit their targets. Because you see three kids. And three arrows hit their targets that they're aiming for. The teacher's like, wait, who released? I didn't say anybody released. And the little girl says, well, nobody did. Uh, 
and the man looks across the park and is like, oh, stupid Avenger. And it's Hawkeye. And he is, you know, saying, oh, I'm just training, whatever. Spider-Man comes in and, you know, uh, I don't know. It's just like this whole, like, oh, I'm, you know, Peter Parker being late. It's a very stereotypical thing for Spider-Man. And basically, Spider-Man has said that him and Hawkeye are planning to team up. And it's not just, you know, a random, like, hey, we're going to do this. It's more of, hey, Captain America put us on patrol. And so they wait until night. And before Spider-Man can really do any of his, you know, uh, he calls him, you know, his his regular jokes. You know, that's usually the one thing Spider-Man loves to do. He'll creep up on a gang of people who are like stealing, robbing a bank, or doing this, or doing that, and he opens up with a one-liner, or he'll open up with a knock-knock joke, or whatever, that's just who Spider-Man is, and before he can throw the punchline in, or do anything like that, Hawkeye immediately starts shooting arrows, uh, which, you know, is shocking them, keeping them unconscious, whatever, and Spider-Man's a little bit annoyed with the whole of this, because he didn't get to, you know, do his joke, and throughout this book, you just basically find out that Hawkeye is not one for, you know, doing the whole patrol thing. If he knows that there's somebody to get, he's going to go get them. He's not going to wait and see what they do. He's just going to stop them, you know, beat them up, do whatever. And right here, uh, they finally start to, like, just sit back because they know that the... Who are they? They are the, gosh, I don't, I forgot who they were. Is it the uh, Cobras, the Snakes? I, I can't remember who these villains are. It's actually been a while since I've read these, I'll be honest. I read these like a week or two ago, and because I've been delaying on this whole recording thing, whatever. But uh, basically, they are the... Yeah, it doesn't say. Holy crap. Uh, all I know is that they're going after hazardous materials. And it says here... Uh, uh, Spider-Man's talking to, to Hawkeye, sorry. And he says, You start the night roughing up some petty thieves, and you end up waiting for the Serpent Society. That's who it is, sorry. The Serpent Society to launch a snake gas attack at Grand Central Station. And Hawkeye says, yeah, great, wake me up when we get there. And this whole entire time, it shows one arrow, then two arrows, then three arrows, all hitting the inside of a O in the sign of no smoking. And it even makes it to a fourth arrow. And Spider-Man says, uh, yo, Avengers, we don't know which entrance he's going to show up at. So if you could watch, he's talking to Hawkeye. And, you know, he's getting upset because Hawkeye isn't really paying attention to him. And, you know, he's he's letting out his frustrations, he being Spider-Man. And Hawkeye's like, yeah, I know what we're doing. That's why I'm training. That's why I'm doing this. This is why I'm shooting my arrows. And, you know, Spider-Man asks him, can you sit still for five seconds? And this, this right here 
is why I love Hawkeye. He says no. And he and Spider-Man says, I thought you were joking at first, but you really can't stop training, can you? He says no. And he says why? And he says, because I and Spider-Man's like, I know, I know, I don't you don't miss. Yeah, I got it, whatever. And Hawkeye says, No, I can't miss. Of course, Spider-Man's very confused. He's asking why. He says, I'm on a team with superhumans. One is a god. Uh, and in case you've forgotten, even you, well, you climb walls really well. He says, the training is the only thing that makes me special. And if not special, and it, if I'm not special, then none of this is worth it. He says, I gave up a lot for this life. I could have been a happy with Mockingbird or Bobby. Uh, she's a vigilante, uh, superhero, whatever. Uh, we could have had a good, simple life, but I wanted to play with the big boys. And if I miss, it means I'm just another dude with a bow. It means I've been fooling myself this whole time, and that's why I never miss. And he shoots another arrow, making five into the small, small sign of no smoking. And Spider-Man's like, okay, I understand, whatever. And the Serpent Society is holding this huge gas gun. And he starts to fire it while other Serpent Society gang affiliates, whatever they're called, lackeys, start to gang up on Spider-Man and Hawkeye. And, you know, Hawkeye says, hey, hold them back. I'm going to take the shot. And he shoots an arrow super far, like way far. And it's so cool because... uh because the in in the one two three four five panel page, you know Clint is saying I am going to take my shot, and uh, Spider Man takes off and tries to stop the uh, the the Serpent Society from shooting the gas grenade or bazooka whatever, so he goes before uh, Clint shoots his arrow. And it shows that him and Spider-Man are both... The the Arrow and Spider-Man are basically going along the same trajectory. And Spider-Man gets there second, but the Arrow gets there first right at his feet. And he misses. Hawkeye misses. What did he just say before this? That he couldn't miss. Now, I will say, Hawkeye is several blocks away on a freaking building being preoccupied with other you know serpent society gang members or whatever so he's probably beating the shit out of them not even realizing what happened with his arrow and spider-man notices this he beats the shit out of this guy and hawkeye is using the communicator saying did i get him spider-man did i get him you know hey you know what's what's up did i is are you are you down like what's going on is sidewinder down that's who the guy is working for the serpent society he's asking and he's like you know what forget it i'm on my way and when he finally gets to sidewinder and spider-man the arrow is right in the middle of sidewinder's chest meaning that spider-man took the arrow off the ground and stuck it into sidewinder's chest 
this shows that Spider-Man understands like how beat up he like Hawkeye would have been if he would have missed and how much he would have just like probably stopped being Hawkeye because he once said I cannot miss and he says sorry pal too slow are you an Avenger again like he's acting like this is like legitimate now to him it is to Spider-Man like Spider-Man knows that he did that for him and it was a great great issue it's very that's the end of it that like that is the end of it it is a great freaking I was about to say episode a great issue it has heart and I love it I absolutely love it now you may not think too much of it but it shows a lot of character for Spider-Man to know to sympathize with how much Clint is beating himself up with being the only quote-unquote normal person on the Avengers team now to be honest I haven't followed Hawkeye from his early early days I've just followed him to you know basically and I'll be honest I'm more of a DC fan so I love Green Arrow I absolutely love Green Arrow I love his story I love where he has been I love how he got to where he is and because of that I saw that Marvel has a bow and arrow guy and I was like dude he's got to be awesome too and I've seen issues where Hawkeye is a badass and he is calculated he is a great fighter and like I was saying before with with Hawkeye Freefall he's more of a you know comedy driven character there and in recent years but Matthew Rosenberg has written some portions of his story I think it's only on issue three or four right now I think it's issue four but there are moments throughout each issue where it actually you actually see him be that calculated person. And he is an underdog. He is 100% an underdog, and I love it. I, I That is just who I am as a person. I love underdogs. I love the, uh, the rise of a hero. So it's absolutely amazing uh, to me whenever I read stories like that. But let's go ahead and move on to, I believe, our next book will be Daredevil number 85. We're continuing the Brubaker story. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to that book. Now, Daredevil number 85 was a little bit of a fast read. Now, the reason why I say that is because not really anything happens. It's a lot of conversations, but very small conversations. Now, we start this book with uh, basically uh, Kingpin is now officially... Uh, back in Gen Pop, which is basically just the main common area of the prison. And the day after, I believe, or the day before, or the, yeah, yeah it's the day after he got back. Uh, the man, basically, that was uh, described to be the one who shanked Foggy, of course, because we know that Foggy is now dead, that, uh, that prisoner uh, is dead, and it looks like a suicide. Now, a lot of people here are thinking that it's not quite what it appears to be. Of course, when you have the players that are at hand here, Hammerhead, freaking uh, Kingpin, you know, all these gangs in this prison, it could very, it could very well be one of those guys. 
Now, the same rumor is going around and around now is that this person who shanked Foggy was actually hired by somebody. And Matt Murdock is hearing those echoes, is hearing the rumors. And the rumor is that Kingpin was the one who hired uh, these people to kill Foggy. And, you know, Murdock is seen here eating by himself in the cafeteria. And he said that it might as well just be him and Kingpin because he's just laser focused on Kingpin's heartbeat and just his presence all around. And we do see, you know, enter Carlos. Carlos is, of course, I felt very uncomfortable with Brubaker's uh, perception of the Latino uh, inmates in prison. So it was very stereotypical language and things like that. Now, of course, this was, you know, an older time. It was okay to do all that stuff. And, I mean, you got to give these characters voices. So it, I'm not too bothered by it now. Uh, but he is basically telling him that, you know, you need to start thinking about who's going to defend you in here now that you're all by yourself. And maybe you should team up with some of us and, you know, all these different things. And... Murdoch is still, you know, the kind of person that's like, nah, I think I'm good, you know. And more so, he's trying to sell him a shiv, you know, to defend himself. And he's like, yeah, I'm not that kind of person. And now we see Frank Castle. We saw him previously in another issue at the very end of the issue, kill a man, kill a pimp that was abusing a prostitute or whatever. Uh, now he is in prison. And we see him, uh, well, we do see another inmate uh, go into uh, Murdoch's cell. Apparently, this is somebody that Murdoch has seen before. Uh, his name is Turk. And he basically is sending a message from Kingpin saying that he wants to have a conversation with him in the yard. And we move to Jameson and Yurik talking about, you know, how maybe this whole... Uh, Matt Murdock in prison, It maybe it's gone a little too far. You know, Foggy's dead, you know, things are happening. And Jameson is actually not even really happy with the way Yurik is pointing out this whole thing as far as inside his articles. He's calling it a very slanted uh, viewpoint and not being uh, objective. Or, yeah, he's he's being subjective instead of objective in his article. And we, you know, we jump back to the prison. Punisher is now sitting next to Daredevil, or Murdoch, really. And I love this relationship. And this is this is a relationship that even continues on uh, in the current run with uh, Chip Zdarsky writing Daredevil. It always comes down to Punisher always telling Murdoch that they are one and the same. And, of course, Murdoch is like, no, 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 I'm not a killer. Like, I'm not, I'm not you. You are a cold-blooded killer that doesn't care about anybody, and you just love to kill. And, you know, Punisher's like, say what you will, this is who I am. And, uh, there's this random dude, uh, that basically warns Punisher, saying, uh, you better watch your back. There's righteous cons in here going to take you down. And Punisher just straight up just knocks the shit out of him. 
into the uh, freaking table and then breaks his arm and is about to break his neck. But uh, Murdoch basically stops and stops him. And he says, uh, I ain't, uh, and I thought you didn't give a damn anymore. Because basically that's what Murdoch was saying to Punisher right before. Uh, and <laughs> one of the guards comes up to Murdoch and is like, hey, what what in the hell happened here? And he's like, I, I, I don't know. I didn't see anything. I guess he just fell. And it's kind of funny just because, I mean, he is blind. He didn't see anything at all. Now... Uh, we do see, uh, uh, Dakota again. She is still investigating this whole thing with Yurik. They're working together. And we do see the Daredevil again. Uh, and these two thugs are going after Dakota because she is putting her nose in places that, of course, the FBI doesn't want her to. Of course, we do know that the FBI is heavily involved, and it seems like the FBI is the reason why Murdoch is in prison in the first place. Now, Murdoch, you know, we, we go back to Murdoch, it's nighttime, he's just chilling in his cell, or maybe even like midday, he's chilling in his cell, and he notices that there's a shiv just waiting for him on the floor of his cell. Uh, he goes out to the courtyard, and he does have a little talk with Kingpin, and he does get a little bit heated. He yells. And, you know, he pushes him around a little bit. Doesn't pull out the, the shiv, because even Kingpin calls him out on it. And Kingpin has some really, you know, smart things to say, and it's very uh, logical. He does tell Murdoch, like, can't you, like, I know it's very bad, you know, a bad pun to say this, but, you know, can't you see that, uh, what, what does he say? He says... Uh, what does he say? Because he, he basically points out that, you know, there's a bigger plan here. He says, haven't you been manipulated enough times to remember what it feels like? Or are you just that naive? And basically tells him that who would want both of them out of the game? And that's where Murdoch starts to put the pieces together. And he ends up making a phone call and we don't see two just yet i'm sure that'll be in the future but we do see the head of a few gangs along with carlos and the laundromat and we see that a guard is like watching for them so he's probably you know paid by these guys and it sounds like some things are about to get dirty in the prison so you know fists are going to be flying shivs are going to be thrown all over the place and uh i don't think anybody is going to uh, come out of there unscathed, you know. I really like Brubaker's Daredevil. Uh, I'm really enjoying this. Uh, it's a very dark mood, and you know, it's very interesting. For a book where I wanted Daredevil, I'm not getting a whole lot of Daredevil, which would make me very upset normally. But Brubaker has got me so invested in this Murdoch, you know, prison story that I'm really, really enjoying it. So, let's go ahead and move on to our last Marvel book of this week, being uh, X-Men Deadly Genesis number 4. Alright, now we're ending 
this Marvel segment with probably one of the longest stories, and not necessarily long because of the amount of pages, but long because this was just a little bit of a drag to get through. Now, basically, this is just a uh, origin story of a separate team that uh, Xavier uh, once created to find the uh, X-Men when they went missing. Now, of course, this is one of the tapes, uh, or, yeah, this was a tape that uh, Banshee was in his possession of when he uh, when he died, of course, on the plane that we saw earlier. Uh, we saw this other character, uh, which we actually learned the identity of uh, here in this book. Uh, he was flying the uh, Quinjet or the uh, Blackbird, or I can't remember which. I think it was a Quinjet is what they still call it here in the X-Men books. But crashed into the plane, killed Banshee, but the briefcase was pretty much invulnerable, and, you know, they were able to uh, save the tapes, and now uh, Wolverine, Beast, and I believe Kurt, uh, Nightcrawler, are watching these tapes. And, like I said, it's just the, uh, the origin of these characters, one of these characters being, uh, I can't remember his name, Gabriel. And Gabriel looks very familiar. And we soon find out that he is the one who is uh, kidnapping uh, Cyclops right now. And we learn that uh, in a big reveal, he says, uh, because... Uh, 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 who was it? Uh, I can't remember. Is her name Rachel? I keep forgetting her name. I feel so bad that this girl uh, who is with Cyclops at the moment being kidnapped by this character. Uh, she is noticing that uh, there's some very unique energies or memories within this area. And Scott Summers, Cyclops, is starting to really feel like he's been there before. And uh, he says, And I came here another time with a professor for something I just still can't remember. And the person says, Because he didn't want you to, Scott. Because this is where you and I met for the first time before we saved you on that hellish island. Uh, and you do notice that it is Gabriel. He says, I'm saying your mentor, uh, old Charles Xavier, didn't want you to know he'd been sacrificed. Your, uh, he'd sacrificed your own long-lost brother to save you, so he messed with your head, big brother, like he's doing uh, to so many others so many times. And then all you X-Men just left me and my friends to be dead. And then, of course, it actually shows a little bit more of uh, his background, Gabriel's background. And he's actually called, uh, his X-Men name is, I believe, like Vulcan or something like that. Uh, but that is basically the entire issue. But it does have a small little story in the back called Kid Vulcan. And basically... How he got to where he was at the point of training with the professor and all of that. Uh, it just doesn't really show his origins as far as how he's related to Scott. 
that is still something that I very much uh, would still like to learn. Recently, I believe in the ongoing comics, it was issue 8 or 9, uh, Vulcan is actually, a, you know, teaming up with Havoc and and Scott. So the brothers are all together. I think it's really, really cool. Uh, but yeah, uh, I'm still very much invested in this book. Uh, there's two more, and then we'll have to find a uh, another book to supplement it. I think I still like the aspect of a team book going around. Uh, two solos and then a team book. We're doing the Spider-Man Avenging Spider-Man. We're doing Daredevil and a team book. Uh, I still, I think personally, I like the X-Men over the Avengers as far as the groups go. So I think I am going to keep with an X-Men book. Uh, as far as which one though, I think I'll let you guys decide. Uh, just let me know either on Twitter or send a voice message here on the podcast app Anchor. And I can even implement it into the episode. Uh, but yeah, just let me know. I even have a Gmail for this podcast, fanboycomicspodcast uh, at gmail.com. Uh, send me a review. Uh, let me know anything you have uh, as far as thoughts on the podcast, on the books that we talk about. Uh, but you, like I said, you can always just message me or uh, talk to me on Twitter. But that is all the Marvel books for this uh, small, uh, I was going to say this week's Throwback Thursday, but like I said, we're doing things a little bit differently of the week of the corona in quarantine. Uh, so let's go ahead and move on to the DC books. All right, and now on to our DC books of this week, being Green Arrow number four, Nightwing number four, and Justice League number 13. Now, on the first book we're going to be talking about is, of course, Green Arrow number four. I will admit, guys, this one, it almost had me. I almost just left it alone and said goodbye, Green Arrow. But I was talked into by a fellow uh, listener of the Weird Science Podcast. We are all in the Slack chat group. And they were talking about how the Green Arrow uh, book, you know, of this title or whatever, uh, this run, after Kevin Smith, it does get a lot better. Uh, there's a particular part in this where I was kind of fed up, and we'll get to it when we get to it. But we open up with Mia and Stanley watching uh, TV, and it's a play on words, but it's really a play on the Powerpuff Girls. Mia is watching, I believe, the Power Poofs. Uh, but it does switch to the daily news or the local news or whatever because we left off on um, the last issue with Green Arrow uh, fighting uh, Black Manta and Aquaman entered the whole thing. So now we're going to continue that fight. And it's, you know, this thing of dialogue of... And it's really weird how Kevin Smith, and I think it's majorly just with like the, uh, I would say, you know, the times of where this book was, but I don't know, because even Marvel, I don't think was doing it too much. It's just, it's like Kevin Smith himself is doing the narration instead of a character in the book. It's not necessarily anybody, uh, because, you know, there's a part where it says, sure sounds like him, the Sea King thinks. You know, it's just this overall, like, somebody else is in the narration and it's throwing me off just because I'm in the mindset of, like, more of modern books. But, uh, basically, 
Uh, Aquaman doesn't really th know if this is the real Oliver Queen, but like I said, he does, you know, see that there's some things that definitely sound like him. And uh, they do defeat Black Manta, but uh, freaking Aquaman is about to completely kill him. And Green Arrow stops him. Oliver stops him. And it's more so of like, dude, that's not what we do. What's happened to you? Where's your hand? Whatever. Because, like I said, plenty of times before, and this book just loves to bring it up because it is a big part of the story. Uh, Green Arrow hasn't been around. You know, he has been dead. Um, so, you know, they do both say at the same time, like, what the hell happened to you anyway? And Aquaman gives the rundown on you know, what happened to, to him and why he is as grisly as he is and why he has a change of costume and things like that. And uh, he, you know, Aquaman does mention his death and he says, uh, my death, I don't know, what am I supposed to, uh, what am I supposed to say to that? Hopefully it's years off. So Oliver is still very unaware that he was once dead. And uh, you know, there is like a little heartwarming, you know, part where Aquaman does give Oliver a hug and he says, well, there's still very much somebody that, you know, people that I would like for you to see. And they have the watchtower teleport him to the uh, freaking watchtower. But before we get to there, uh, we see that there's somebody kidnapping homeless people and feeding him possibly to like this like wretched monster that we have been uh seen that we have seen like once or twice throughout the, you know the endings of uh this title and you know that that tease will come to a head soon enough uh but basically uh Aquaman has taken Oliver to the watchtower Oliver has no idea what the watchtower is but at the watchtower we see Kyle Rayner we see Flash uh, who is in fact Wally West? We see Diana Wonder Woman and we see the Martian Manhunter. Walkman comes in there saying, "Hey, there's somebody we, you definitely need to see," uh, but he he isn't himself. So just you know, be weary. Blah blah blah, and he brings him out, and uh, you know he's he's very nauseous because he's never teleported before, and you know everybody just is staring like. As if they've seen a ghost, because of course Oliver Queen was once dead. Blah de blah de blah, and he's kind of offended by them just like staring. Like, what the hell's wrong with you guys? Why are you why are you gawking at me? And you know everybody's very confused. Martian Manhunter immediately wants to like look inside his head to see where he's been, and you know all these different things. And Green Arrow's like, "Hey, no, 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 you you can you can you know get the hell away from me. You're not gonna do that." And uh, he looks at the Flash, and he's like, who the hell are you? Barry's dead. And, uh, you know, he does say that it's Wally West. And, you know, he's, Green Arrow says, oh, you're, you're Roy, Roy, uh, I almost said Roy's friend. He said, oh, you're Roy's friend. Holy cats, look at the size of you. And, you know, he's, he's starting to, like, just, like, realize, oh, there's new people on the team. Cool, whatever, you know, let's get back to you know, being the old Justice League, whatever, and all of a sudden, Superman comes out of nowhere, uh, 
and he, you know, the whole Great Caesar's Ghost. I hate when people do that just because they can never do it at the right time, and it always sounds too cheesy. It's very Golden Age. Uh, but he uh, gives Ollie a really big hug. Uh, still, Ollie is still freaking out at the fact that everybody's acting so weird. And he's asking where where Hal is. Where's Green Lantern? And that's where Kyle comes in. He's like, oh, well, I'm right here. And he says, uh, now who the hell is this? What's with that stupid mask? And he says... Uh, this is the moment. This is the moment where I was like, you know what, Kevin Smith, I'm sorry. You wrote a pretty good story in Detective 1000, but this does not give you, you know, the right to kind of do this kind of stuff. And of course, like I said, it's from an older book. I completely understand the times of when this book was written, but he is basically fed up with Green Lantern. And he says, uh, you know, Kyle says, oh, I'm I'm actually... Kyle, I'm the Green Lantern, and Green Arrow says this, great, first there's the black guy, then the redneck, and now a toddler, for the love of Pete, those little uh, blue men give those rings out like uh, prizes in uh, Cracker Jack boxes, and now kids these days probably don't even know what Cracker Jacks are, because I don't think they're sold anywhere anymore, but uh, just the tone of which Kevin was really, you know, making Oliver like sound like I just didn't like it and I was just like ah, I I don't know there's some questionable things that Kevin Smith has written as far as like Batman and other characters in the past as well and a lot of people aren't the greatest fans of them but I think I can tuck her through to finish this one story arc or however long he has and then move on to a better story um I've also been considering just moving on to like the New 52 because that's where I picked up comics again and read through all that stuff because I really enjoyed that stuff. I know a lot of people didn't, but I did. Uh, but, you know, he's very, very confused as of what the hell is going on. And Kyle shows Green Arrow that this Connor Hawk guy is the current Green Arrow. And Ollie's pissed, like who, like who the hell are you, you know, to show me that kind of that kind of thing? And he pulls out a grenade arrow and is about to shoot everybody with it. And here comes Batman knocking the shit out of Oliver Queen and knocks him out. And you know, Batman has you know some ideas of how this happened. He's not really sure yet, uh, but he gives the grenade to superman superman is able to crush it in his hands there's a small explosion but of course it doesn't hurt anybody and uh batman basically uh is going to get some answers but he's taking oliver with him and we see a small part of uh who is it he is oh yeah, yeah. uh we see diana or dinah sorry not diana dinah uh, who is the Black Canary, and of course she was uh, a part of the Birds of Prey, who is, uh, you know, partnered with Barbara, Oracle, and she's having this conversation with Oracle, and they're saying, hey, did you see what happened in, you know, uh, in uh, Seattle, and, you know, she mentions Green Arrow, and she's like, oh, so uh, good for Connor, He's back in the game, and 
Barbara says, no, it wasn't Connor. It was Oliver. And that's where we end off uh, with a very surprised look on Dinah's face. And so I'm sure that's all going to come to a head pretty soon. Now, like I said, I, I want to enjoy this book. Um, I'm not really liking Kevin Smith's writing. Now, at the very end of this, it looks like uh, Volume 2 is also full of Kevin Smith. Uh, but Volume 3 is where we get uh, Meltzer and uh, uh, Winnick after that. So I think I will like those a lot more. So Volumes 3 and 4 is what I will probably look forward to more than anything. So we will attempt to read all of these uh, I'm not going to be able to do it within a whole week, but, you know, I'm, I'm really going to try to tucker, uh, down on this whole recording thing and make some good episodes for you guys. Uh, things might be changing a little bit. I might be, you know, the entire, uh, you know, every day might be this kind of episode or whatever until we start getting newer books, but we'll, we'll find out. We'll see how it is. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on to our next book, Nightwing number four. All right, Nightwing number four. Now, I did say in the last episode that, you know, Nightwing was getting very repetitive. It was just Nightwing following the, I believe, what are they called? They are called, gosh, what are they called? What are they called? They're called, uh, da, 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 da. What are the, what are the mask guys called? I have no clue what those masked guys are called. They are called... Uh, I forgot what they're called. Damn it. I, I And as you can hear, is while I'm just saying this, it's just me trying to find out what they're actually called. And this is very, very, very annoying that I cannot find out what they are called damn it i want excuse me i would like to know i i don't know i am trying to find out exactly uh they are uh the false facers i'm so stupid yes the false facers those are the ones with the masks so uh i was saying that you know it was just nightwing you know following the false facers and they were just, you know, there's a small little shootout. Nightwing would win, or technically nobody would win because they would both go out, you know, unscathed. But, you know, each mission on each side was unsuccessful, blah, 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 blah. But it was getting very repetitive. This, we're finally, like, we're still dealing with the false facers in a way. Uh, but I will get more to that when we get there. Uh, but there's a new player in town. Uh, her name is, gosh... See, I am the worst at names. I, I read this today, and I can't remember anybody's name. It's horrible. But this woman, uh, she has, like, these really cool, like, dagger-type things that go around her hands. Uh, and her suit, I can't remember. I, I don't know what exactly she's inspired by. But her mask looks like a boomerang, and it makes me laugh. But, uh... You know, basically, Nightwing is still in conversations with the detective, and the to him, this detective is very, like, clean and, and, and goes by the law, so he can't really do much, but the, at the same time, he notices 
that he may be scheming himself, and he very much is, and it's shown here uh, because he because he does have a conversation with the leader of the False Facers, which you know they are all working for Black Mask, not the detective, but the False Facers or whatever. But uh, Nightwing is actually uh, well. Dick Grayson is actually, uh, you know, he found that apartment and he is trying to find a job and he ends up going to a bar and somehow talked his way into getting a job, but it's in the morning and he was very confused. He's like, why would I be working in the morning if this is a bar? And the bartender or the owner says, well, cops work all kinds of shifts and when they're finished, they want to drink. So, you know, this is basically a town that has a 24-7, you know, bar, which is crazy to think about. But uh, Soames, or Soames, or however you pronounce the detective's name, he does meet with uh, the False Facers. And it's very crazy, because this is where you do see that they are, they were at one point working together, but now the detective is, you know, changing the plans a bit. But, uh... You notice that there's police officers that are listening in on the people that Nightwing is going after to find out about Black Mask's plan. Because you do, we do know that Black Mask is behind all of this and in some uh, shape or form. And that's who he's really after. And uh, the detectives get an anonymous tip. About something, they go back to that alley where the detective and the false facers were, and you notice that all the false facers have their heads and masks turned a full 180, uh, and blood is everywhere. Uh, which is one thing that I've noticed in comics, in these comics that I'm reading uh, recently, you know, throughout the 1990s and the early 2000s, there's a lot of blood. And. For a, for a lot of these books. And, and it's very surprising to see how much blood there is in here. But uh, eventually Nightwing goes on to this boat. Because he is trying to help somebody. Who may have some inside information on Black Mask and everybody else. Uh, but he is somebody who is running away from uh, these gangs and whatnot. So he does get scared. Uh, so he does attack Nightwing with his bodyguards and everything else. And this woman comes around. And she does have the guy's daughter uh, in place or in hand uh, and is threatening to kill her, basically. And that's where we find ourselves at the end of the issue. Um, this does bring a new, you know, some fresh air because, you know, we are basically done with the false facers, or at least that's what it seems like. Uh, those people were killed uh, and it looks like it was the detective who killed them. Uh, along with somebody else, because you do see a silhouette when they were talking. So, uh, somebody is partnering with the detective. So, it'll be very interesting to find out who that is. Uh, hopefully, this does pick up a little bit more. It looks like the next episode, uh, the next issue does pick up right where we left off. But, let's go ahead and move on to our last book of the day, or night, whatever you want to look at it. I cannot record a single episode at all in my house until everybody's asleep and it is currently almost two o'clock a.m so uh yeah it absolutely sucks i'm gonna try to do those uh live commentary tv show movie things throughout the day 
and see how well the audio is. Uh, but if not, I'm going to have to do that at night also, uh, which may mean that I do like some uh, comic book reviews one day and then like a, a movie or a show the next. So we'll see how it goes. But let's go ahead and move on to Justice League number 13. All right, now let's go ahead and go through Justice League number 13. We're finally away from that whole uh, Mr. Graves story, which was kind of boring. It gave us some really good good moments, you know, like Wonder Woman beating the shit out of the rest of the Justice League. And came out with that very juicy kiss between Superman and Wonder Woman, which is actually where we begin in this story. We see uh, Superman and Wonder Woman uh, kissing, and then they kind of separate, saying, hey, you know, whatever, you know, it's not necessarily a uh, a big deal, you know, Dan just kind of walks away, and we open up after that with a fight between uh, Cheetah and Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman kind of gets her ass beat, and it actually begins this whole thing with the Justice League because uh, Flash and Cyborg pick her up. Uh, they were at the... Where were they? They were at Central Park. Uh, and uh, this is five days later after that whole kiss. But uh, she gets picked up by Cyborg and Flash while Batman and Aquaman are at the uh, medical care unit uh, in Argus uh, in Washington, D.C. with Steve Trevor talking to them. And, you know, we're getting some information, of course. Uh, Wonder Woman is not entirely herself. Uh, and, you know, uh, Batman and Aquaman were wondering about... Uh, what were they talking about? They were talking about, oh, about Cheetah. Like, and how Wonder Woman is not able to, like, defeat her and, like, bring her in or whatever. So we learn, like, a lot of background on Cheetah uh, through both Diana and Steve Trevor. Like, her origins, basically. And, you know, Cheetah has been very elusive. You know, she comes in every once in a while, like, every few months, beats the shit out of Wonder Woman and then leaves and comes back a few months does the same thing over and over again and you know Superman and Wonder Woman have a little bit of a personal time uh, to talk at the watchtower and not nothing too intimate but they're just saying like hey what what happened happened uh, but I did like it she says so did she uh, and they're basically saying that you know just let us help you Diana basically and now, here we also get a little bit of insight on Cyborg. Cyborg is not really feeling like himself because, of course, he is a cyborg uh, ever since that whole thing happened. Uh, he's questioning whether he is actually just a robot that is pretending to be a man. And Barry is very much, like, not okay with this thought process and is like, hey, do you, you know, think about making out with a toaster? Do you have thoughts of, you know, all these things that that dude craves? put those thoughts in you you know this is not you at all and you know you know they eventually meet up with superman and diana again they talk it out and she's like okay we have a game plan we're gonna do this and uh both batman and aquaman are gonna meet up with them and steve trevor is like really wanting to see and talk to diana but they say hey you know maybe it would be best if you don't 
and they kind of leave Trevor all by himself. Now, uh, they do team the team to Justice League meet at the Conga, uh, trying to find out this like ancient civilization uh, from where the dagger was f- that made Cheetah the Cheetah, uh, and they're trying to figure out you know where the tribe might be or where uh, Cheetah might be, and. Uh, the thing that happens here is the fact that, uh, um, whatchamacallit, uh, you know, Superman can hear that there is, uh, some chanting of some kind, but Batman notices, like, that, you know, somebody's coming right after them, which is Cheetah. She comes in, completely scratches up Batman in his chest, and is actually able to wound the flash so it tells you how fast she is and uh she's able to you know sideswipe away from vic and bites freaking uh superman right in the neck now this is where i'm like "Eh, okay whatever but i understand that this is magic magic is something of course that superman is vulnerable to And so she is able to, like, almost vampire bite him, like, right in the jugular. And uh, she runs away. And before anything can happen, uh, Superman is actually changing into a cheetah himself. And it says, next, the truth behind the cheetah. Uh, Now, there is a small little story at the very end that I did go ahead and read. Uh, It's about Steve Trevor and uh, Amanda Waller. Basically, uh, instead of working as a liaison with the Justice League, you know, they fired him. And now Amanda Waller wants uh, Trevor to be uh, the head of Argus, basically. And uh, he, we find out that he actually had Oliver Queen working a little silent side mission. And, you know, just basically asking if you have anything out of the ordinary, uh, you know, come around, let me know kind of thing. And he does, he does find something a little bit out of the ordinary. And it is basically a tease to uh, the uh, Justice League of America number one, which was a part of the New 52. I never got to read that, but I really wanted to because it has some of my favorite characters in there. That being Catwoman, Green Arrow for sure, and even Simon Baz, uh, as well as I believe Martian Manhunter and Vibe as the Justice League of America, so I would genuinely be okay with adding that to our list, but it really depends on how fast we're able to get through the other books, or how, you know, bored I get with everything else, uh, or, you know, through this week, I might actually pick it up just to fill in the, some of the spots that we're trying to, uh, fill in for this week as far as the podcast goes, but, Guys, that is it. I have finished all six books here on the podcast. It actually went to an hour more than usual. I think we usually talk about for about, you know, what we usually get to about 30 minutes or 45 minutes. I really wanted to uh, talk in length with these books uh, just because I feel like I've been lacking some of the details. And I don't know. I I, I will admit uh, if you guys have you know, lasted this long, then you guys really care about this podcast, and I thank you so much, but I, because of this whole coronavirus thing, it's gotten me a little depressed, uh, I'm not really sure what I'm wanting to do as far as, uh, my job and, and the podcast and 
So if you have any recommendations, like do you think I should keep it to a smaller length of a podcast? Do you like these long, drawn-out podcasts uh, you know, to learn everything about the book and my thoughts about it? Or should I definitely just, you know, be like, hey, this is the book, this is... <coughs> Excuse me, oh my gosh. But, like, basically just saying, this is the synopsis, this is what I thought about it, this is what I liked, this is what I didn't like, here's the score, type of thing. Uh, so, please let me know, I can definitely do that. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, just be on the lookout for more episodes this week. And uh, looking for those uh, live commentary tracks as well. You guys have a good, safe week. And I will talk to you guys later.